Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. My dad's a good man. He's a godly man. Trained me up in the things of God. And there are things that I heard him say to me many times that were repeated until they became part of the the DNA of how I operate my life and and have really I've found such wisdom, lasting wisdom, you know, in those things. Things that have held tried and been tried and true in my life. And so is it okay if I pass some of these things on to you today? And I think it it'll help you, especially you men here, but all of us can learn something from these because many of these truths know no uh, male nor female. But things that he taught me and I I think have really helped shape me to be the man I am today. And I'm grateful to have a father who was not afraid to lead me, right? Not afraid to do the right thing, even though the right thing wasn't always the easiest thing to do. He didn't look for escape routes, you know? Just faced hardship and was an example to me how to overcome and how to stay in faith and believe God no matter what. Still doing that today. So, first thing that I can remember, and this was especially when I was young, my brother and I were a year apart. And when we got into our teenage years, y'all know the teenage years are, are uh, well, it's an interesting time in, in, in the life of a, of a kid, you know? You're feeling things that you don't know whether to feel guilty for feeling those things. <laughs> what? Not only those feelings and, and things like that, it's part of your development, you know, and, but, but also just your thinking. You begin to kind of begin to spread your wings a little bit from mom's and dad's absolutes and their, what they say. And you, your, your mind kind of begins to broaden a little bit and you, because you're, you're hearing other opinions and you start to begin to think on your own, you know, and that's a, that's a very insecure kind of place to be. Right? And so you use a lot of filler words. Like, 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 because like, you don't know, because you're not sure. You're just trying to fit in. Right? And it's just this, it's just, but my dad, being a male, knew after he, because <laughs> he had been a teenager, knew how teenage boys thought. Come on, men. And when we were in that process of coming into manhood, we'd want to go out, and especially when I got my driver's license. And man, what a whole different world that was. A whole new independence, right? Get in the car, you drive out, you're like, oh man, nobody's got their eyes on me. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm free. But just before we were going to leave the house, we'd get all ready, get as much cologne on as possible, you know, whatever, get the girls looking our way. Just as we're heading for the door, my dad would always eat without fail. Boys! And we knew what was coming. Yes, sir. Remember who you are. And we'd be back, you know, at the front door without him seeing us, knowing that's what he's going to say. Remember who you are. 
Yes, sir. Well, I'd like to say we did remember who we were, but probably didn't always remember who we were. But it's something that stuck with me. And he helped us understand, made us understand the importance of our name. Boys, you're carrying my name out there. This isn't just about you. This is about us. It's about our family. It's about our legacy. Remember who you are. You're not, you're not just an average person out there in the world. God put you in this family, and we operate a certain way. We live our lives a certain way. That's who we are. Remember who you are. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Let's look at this for a moment. Is this all right? Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That is, that's the way the Jews could make the separation between them. In other words, by them saying you're uncircumcised, which means they told the Gentiles, you don't have a covenant with God. You're on the outside looking. You're not in the club. Verse 12, that at that time, aren't you glad it was at that time? At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, which means you had no rights, you had no, no, no ground to stand on. Children of Abraham were the ones who were the apple of God's eye and the object of his affection. And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul is saying, you got to remember this, guys. You got to remember, this is who you were. This is where you were. All right? This is it. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Come on, somebody shout amen. Huh? You've been brought near. Remember who you were. Yeah, that's good. But now you need to remember who you are now. You are one who has been bought by the blood and brought near by the blood of Jesus. So remember who you are now. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are the church of the living God. Holy, set apart, saints of the living God. You carry his name, the name of Jesus, wherever you go. So represent him well, because as he is, so are you in this world. There's something else that my dad told me that I can remember him saying over and over again. As a matter of fact, he wrote kind of a little instruction book. And it wasn't necessarily for us kids. He wrote this for pastors. Um, I can't remember. It's got to be 25, 30 years ago that he did this. And he was overseeing like 20, was it 28 churches, I think, at that time. He had a, a, a network of fellowship. And... Um, and so he would go visit all these churches and over, help these pastors and lead them. Well, he made a, this little instruction book, and every few lines, he would come back to this one thing, come back to this one thing. And then this is something that he also taught me, especially as I was coming up in ministry with him, and it was this, stay in love with Jesus. Stay in love with Jesus. Stay in love with Jesus. And he said, and this is how you stay in love with Jesus. You stay in love with his word. You stay in love with his word, and also you love what Jesus loves, and Jesus loves his church. You love his word, you love his church, you'll stay in love with Jesus. 
Can I get a good amen? Listen to this. Um, uh, David said in Psalm 119, verse 97, you might just jot this down. I don't want to have Brooke have to chase me all over here. Psalm 119, verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law or your word. It is my meditation all the day. Uh, Verse 165 of that same chapter, 119, 165, it says, Great peace have those who love your law or who love your word, and nothing causes them to stumble. Or one version says, nothing shall offend them. You stay in love with the word, you can't be offended. Huh? If you find yourself being easily offended, easily irritated, check your love. Measure your love for the word. When's the last time you were in it? Huh? Amen. Nothing shall offend them. Uh, John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. He'll keep my word. And my father... We'll love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Did you see that? Stay in love with Jesus by keeping his word, by loving his word. I love that. My dad was a good example, and he still is to this day. Since as, as long as I've known, I think it was since he was a student at Christ for the Nations. He graduated there in 1978, and since that time, he has read every day of his life five chapters from the Bible. Now, this isn't including... His study time for sermons and things like that. This is just his own personal time in the Word, his own personal discipline, five chapters a day. He was taught by Mom Lindsay, Frida Lindsay, one of the founders, her and her husband Gordon founded Christ for the Nations. And she always had a rule, three and five, three and five, three and five. You read three chapters a day, Monday through Thursday, and five on Sundays. And, and, and you could read, she said you could read through the entire Bible start to finish if you'll have that rule. And so my dad said, ah, I'm going to up that game. I'm going to just make it five every day. That way I don't have to try to remember which day is five and which day is three. And uh, so I, I want to encourage you, have a non-negotiable time every day in the Word of God. Non-negotiable. All right? And, and the more time you spend His Word, the truth is the more your love for Jesus will grow. Another thing that uh, lesson I learned from my dad is pray in tongues more than you think you should. Pray in tongues more than you think you should. Hmm? Amen. I haven't met a believer yet, a believer who prays in tongues. I've, I've asked this question I can eat, hundreds of times. Ask him, do you pray in tongues more than you should? And always the answer is no. Or I say, do you, do you think you pray in tongues enough? No. Why do we think that? Because, see, we understand the value of it, don't we? We talked about it last week on Pentecost Sunday. We see the value of it and what it's, I mean, our tongue is steering our life. And if we can get the utterance of the Spirit to borrow our tongue and our voice, wow, we can really steer our life in the right direction. But it's not something that is easily at the forefront of our minds, though. Because what Paul say about the mind when it came to this? Unfruitful. So because it's not the first thing on our mind, we're thinking about the things we know to say, we need to say, the things that we understand. But you have to purpose. That's why my dad said, you got to do this more than you think you should. you gotta, you got to be aware of this gift all the time because it's this power that's resident. It's this place where God invites you, wow, this tangible experience with the supernatural language using my tongue to declare the secrets of God in the world, the mysteries of God. Oh, man. 
So pray in tongues more than you think you should. And if you don't pray in tongues, we can get that dealt with before this church service is over. Or right at the end, I'll pray with you. Amen. Uh, we had six get baptized in the Spirit last Sunday morning. And then we had somebody watch it by live stream. She came Wednesday night, and then she got filled with the Spirit Wednesday night. So it's been a good week. Paul said, I think, my God, I pray in tongues more than you all. So Paul obviously saw, I mean, how many of you know, what, what do you think the chances are that that revelation that he had from Christ was connected to his often praying in the Spirit? All right. I'll say this, and I, I understand that I'll need to clear it up and explain it. On the night before Heather and I got married, almost 25 years ago, can you believe that? On August the 12th, because we got married on the 13th, my dad took, I go over to see my parents, and he's like, let's go out on the front porch, son. I'm like, oh my God, are we really going to do this? <laughs> We're going to have the talk? So I reluctantly <laughs> followed him outside like, oh, God, this is going to be awesome. And he said, son, I'm going to teach you something I learned. And it is this. Women are crazy. <laughs> he said it just like that. And I was like, okay. And he says, and you're going to have to learn to adapt. And he said, now they're not crazy, but it's going to seem crazy to you. Her ways are going to seem crazy to you. Her thinking, her logic is going to seem crazy to you. But you have to learn to adapt and to love her and to understand her. Because otherwise, all you'll ever say is, you're crazy. <laughs> and how many of you know that doesn't make a good marriage? <laughs> because he said she didn't think like you. Her thoughts are intertwined with her feelings. She doesn't compartmentalize like we do. It's all the same thing. And, and she speaks on behalf of both thought and feeling. And so to us as men, that seems a bit illogical and irrational, especially when she's crying. Because something happens when she cries, like the man wants to rescue. He wants to stop. It's like a four-alarm fire just went off, and he's got to get there and get water on this thing as quickly as possible. But that's not necessarily what she needs, is it, ladies? Huh? Huh? She doesn't need your solutions necessarily before she needs your ear to just listen, to understand. God, I'm talking to Eric Holler right now. And I have to say that so she won't say it after service. She's not necessarily looking for a solution. Just needs somebody to listen to. Husbands, this is what Peter said. 1 Peter 3, 7, likewise dwell with them, your wife, with understanding. When I first read that, I was like, <laughs> that's a good punchline to a joke. Dwell with them, okay, with understanding, impossible. But let's, 
think about this for a moment. If it's telling us to dwell with them with understanding, then we can. And we should. That means to care, to spend the time, to listen. Amen. Amen. There should have been a whole lot of amen and all throughout that, but it was just like. All right. Here's another thing. Got a couple more. Another thing that I can remember my dad saying. He said, you can do anything you want in life, but whatever you do, do it for the Lord. I'm grateful to have a dad who is a Bible-thumping, hardcore preacher that didn't force ministry on any of us kids. Didn't make us feel like we needed to be in ministry. Uh, As a matter of fact, we weren't even near as hands-on as our kids are in our lives in ministry. Uh, I was the only one, really, for many years that uh, was serving in the church. My, my, brother, some, my brother didn't always come to church, and my sister sat all the way on the back row. So it's funny because a lot of people didn't even know that my parents had three kids. Because I was on the stage doing worship or whatever, you know, and stuff like that. But ne- because neither one of them were heading for ministry. I was the only one in our family that knew I was going to be in the ministry. It wasn't because my parents told me. It's because God rocked my world and called me. So it wasn't until much later that my brother and sister both came into it just because the Lord began to compel them to him. And we, didn't, we never dreamed that all three of us would have ended up in full-time ministry because we, didn't, we weren't pressured to do that. But it's how we all ended up. And that stuck with me, though. Whatever you do, you can do anything. You live, we live in the greatest country. This is the greatest country of opportunity, Right? So do it, but just do it for Jesus. Whatever you find your hand to do, do it, the scripture says, with your whole heart as to the Lord. Amen. Isn't that really our number one call? Hmm? Well, what's my calling? Do everything with your whole heart to the Lord. That's your call. Hmm? Well, you don't feel like you have to, it has to be a certain position, it has to be a certain thing. No, you're called to just do whatever for the Lord. Amen. Does that help some of you today? Amen. Thank you, Lord. And lastly, oh man, there's some really good ones here. All right, I'll just do this one. Leaders, a good leader is not a ceiling. A good leader is a floor. He says, leaders don't hover. They're not your lid. They're on the floor pushing you up. Pushing you up to greater heights. They're not your cap. They're not controlling. If a leader is lording over you, that's not a good leader. Because in the church world, we we used to have this saying, and I still hear it once in a while, who's your covering? Who's your covering? Who's... And, and they mean who's, who's over you. And, and in one sense, that's a truth. But leaders don't hover over people. They push them up. Listen to this. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Where are they? Are they the floor or the ceiling? They're the foundation. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together 
grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place in, of God in the Spirit. This is good. Paul says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. Wow. So, the leader's talking to you about your future. A good leader is wanting you to go further and do more than they could do. They're not threatened by your talents. They're not threatened by your abilities, by your charisma. No, they monopolize on that and push you to grow in it. Amen? Those are just a few of my favorite things that I learned from my dad. So hopefully those have blessed you and encouraged you and empowered you today and equipped you. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together with your precious people. Thank you for, thank you for the truths of your word that stand the test of time. No matter what situation, no matter what generation, no matter how much time, <laughs> you're just faithful, faithful, faithful. Your word says you're faithful to all generations. And the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Thank you that you have absolute truth that we can hold on to. And it is applicable and relevant for every generation. So we cling to your word today. We thank you for it. It's life to those who find it and health to all of their flesh. We're grateful for it. God, where you have brought us. Oh God, the growth that we've experienced, the things that we've learned, the things that we know. Oh Lord, where we used to be and where we are now, how we used to think and how we think now. God, what your word has done, it's revolutionizing and has revolutionized and will continue to revolutionize our lives. Thank you for it. Because it, it's all centered in the love and grace of God. Because you loved us, you saved us. Because you loved us, you gave us Jesus. Because you loved us, you called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. It's been your whole motivation because you are love. Thank you, Lord. Let your love abound in these homes. Let your love abound in these families. Thank you, Father. Because it's love that casts out all fear. It's love that covers a multitude of sins. It's a love that rejoices in truth. It's love that bears all things, that believes all things, that hopes all things, and that endures all things. Thank you, Lord. And this love never fails. <laughs> so today, we go from here in the love of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.